Greetings book lovers everywhere. My name is E-Train and welcome to E-Train Talks. I'm joined today by debut middle grade author of the Curious League of Detectives and Thieves series and all around great person, Tom Phillips. Everybody give a round of applause for Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. You've been such an inspiration and positive force for me. And your support for my book journey has really been outstanding and I'm so appreciative. Well, you deserve it. You're you're you are are doing great, and uh, we're gonna get you more followers because <laughs> honestly, if 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 you're a writer and you're on Twitter and you're doing mid grade and you don't have E Train as a follower or you're not following him, then then you're missing out because this is this is the type type of kid we write for. So I'm telling you right now, go go click on the link and 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 subscribe because he's got a lot of really great stuff to say. And Tom Phillips has a lot of great stuff to write. He's been writing screenplays. He has some stuff in the works, which I can't talk about, unfortunately, but you might learn about it in the future. And I just gotta say, The Curious League of Detectives and Thieves is a mystery, entertaining, fun-filled, thrilling page-turning must-read. And if you haven't pre-ordered a copy, you need to. Like, what are you thinking? You need to order a copy. I appreciate that. I agree. Go go order a copy. Uh... Yeah, this has been really exciting. The whole the whole journey of the mid grade world has been awesome. Yeah, and, and I've I've heard from so many middle grade authors. Um, it's pretty di it's pretty difficult to write for middle grade, and just being able to write such an entertaining mystery. Um, I'm not very I'm not a very harsh critic. I like almost all the books I read, but when I just jump into the Curious League of Detectives and Thieves book one, because this is a series, everybody. Book two is coming out in the future. Um. Uh -huh. March of 20, all right, uh, June of 2023. So next year, um, I just, I fell in love with the characters and I know that all of you will too. So now before we begin, what's something that you'd like to share about yourself that people would be surprised to learn? Oh, um, I am dyslexic, uh, which means that uh, my brain is wired in a way that I um, flip letters and words around. So growing up, it was really hard for me to read. Um, and, uh, and now I wrote a book. So I would say to anybody out there who's dyslexic, uh, if I can do it, you can do it. So follow your dreams. Yeah, that, that's, those are some great words. And like, look at you. Maybe you couldn't read as well, but now you've written a book that I know that so many middle graders are going to love. And you're writing screenplays for big movies and I think that's just so cool how you followed your dreams you followed your passion which I know you're big on finding your passion mm -hmm. um and now look at you you're doing such so amazing you're doing amazing things and I know that the writing community and the movie community soon they're just gonna rave about your work <laughs> I hope so I hope so fingers crossed but I don't need to cross both of my both of my hands because I know that it's gonna work out oh, I appreciate that uh yeah. So my first question is, aside from being a debut author, Tom is also a screenwriter. How did you balance your time as a screenwriter with a screenplay being produced by a major studio coming soon and writing? And what are some of the differences or similarities when writing plays or novels? Okay. Uh, well, first, time management. Man, that is a question of the ages. How do you manage your time? Um with with everything you do i write two or three projects at the same time and the reason why i do that is if i get blocked with one project i can use my writing time on the other project 
and still feel like I'm accomplishing things. Um, also with deadlines, you know, you, 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 your publisher will set deadlines, but really I feel like you should set deadlines for yourself and then uh, reward yourself if you get the deadline. So like, I'll be like, oh, I really want that comic book or I really want that video game or something. And I'll be like, all right, if I get this chapter done by Friday, then I'm allowing myself to, to get that thing. And if I don't, then I, I don't get it. So then kind of give myself deadlines and rewards for it. Yeah, I think that's a great strategy. Just kind of saying, hey, you can, if you do this, then you're gonna get this and you really want this. So just get this done not being specific about anything. I just think it's so inspirational and everything that you're doing, it's just like, and also trying to manage your time, being a middle grade writer, being a screenwriter, it's all a lot. And the way you manage your time, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's it's a skill that you wanna learn. So, you know, and like you're, you're 11, so you're in the fifth grade and you're yeah. about to go into middle school and then middle school, you have more teachers and more things. And, you know, just know that, uh, it's, it's going to be a fun, it's try to make the challenge fun because it is going to be a challenge and it's a challenge for everyone. So you're not alone. Yeah, it is definitely going to be a challenge. There's so many challenges, but yeah, if you can find a fun way, just make your own little spin on a challenge, like from writing a chapter to writing a scene in a screenplay, it makes it a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to um, my next question. Oh, Oh, I was going to say the similarities between um, novels and, and screen, uh, everything has a, what we call a, a, a format, right? And um, I like to, to follow the hero's journey. So if you don't know the hero's journey, uh, it, you can look that up and learn more. But every epic movie from Star Wars to uh, Lord of the Rings to um, Hunger Games, everything has follows the hero's journey. So when I plot out my book, I actually follow the hero's journey only with, instead of pages in a, in a screenplay, you do it by pages because uh, you have 90 to 120 pages, depending on a thing. And each page is one minute in a movie. Um, I will plot that out for chapters in a book. So, you know, my book has 26 chapters. Uh, they were split up basically with points. So there's 12 points. So it's about every couple chapters, I hit a point in the hero's journey when I plan. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. And the similarities between screenplays and books, they're pretty evident, especially if you're writing um, a mystery, fast-paced novel that almost feels like a movie and actually writing a movie. Yeah, and the, the thing of the difference between movies and novels is just time. So you have more time in a novel. So that's when you see and read a novel and you go see the movie and there's a whole bunch cut out. It's because if you told every detail in the novel, the movie would be like six hours long and no one wants to see it, a six hour long movie. So they have to cut it down to like the very, you know, plot points that keep the plot moving and cut out some of the extra. Um, and it's always why the, the book is always, people are always like, oh, the book is so much better than the movie, but it's because you get more of the book. So next time you see a movie that is absolutely, or so you think, nothing like the books, now you have a little perspective. So don't go hating on movies like that. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. Um, I had the honor of reading an advanced reader's copy of your book, and I have to say it is filled with everything needed for a mystery. Detectives, crime solving, just a fast-paced, thrilling read. It even has monkeys. I mean, if something has monkeys, how could you not like it? So where did you get the idea for such a fun-filled storyline? Oh, man. Okay, so... The series of unfortunate, uh, the series of unfortunate events is one of my favorite books. 
Um, it's my, one of my favorite book series. So I would say that that inspired me a lot. Um, the other thing is uh, I really love mysteries. I'm a true crime like fanatic. So I love mysteries. I love uh, trying to solve mysteries. I love puzzles. So it was all kind of put into um, one thing. So that was a lot of inspiration. The other thing is there's this director named Peter Bogdanovich, and he has a movie called What's Up Doc with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. It came out in the 70s. You've probably never seen it. You've probably never heard of it, but it's hilarious. And if you've ever had a chance to see it, that's that's a lot of my inspiration. You know, I, I like movies like that or like Clue where it's a mystery, but it's also really funny. So yeah, comedies mixed into thrillers. I think that's just a brilliant style of movies. It can keep you interested and it can also keep you laughing. So it's always good to find a movie that can make you laugh. And also you don't just not want to watch it anymore. Like maybe if there's a bad joke, you just, oh, I want to keep watching it because there's also a mystery. There's so much going on and it's just such a thriller. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to give the story away, but having the story begin in a museum really caught my interest and the backstory was very moving. Is there any reason why you chose the setting to start in a museum? Yeah, so the the, the Curious League is about found family. Um, you'll, you'll find a lot of themes with mid-grade where the child's parents are gone and the child's on his own. And a lot of that is because we as mid-grade, middle-grade writers, our, our audience, our kids learning to have independence so if you have a kid with perfect parents and awesomeness, then there's no uh, arc, there's no adventure for them to go on. So a lot of people do that. I lived in New York City for a long time. And one of my favorite things in the world is the Museum of, of Natural History. Um, it's the American Museum of Natural History. In my book, I called it the New York Museum of Natural History for reasons you'll find out later. Um, but uh, I was there, I used to draw there all the time. I used to go and draw all the animals and the exhibits and I love museums and uh, I grew up in museums and I was there one time and there was um, a little kid who was lost and I was like why where are you why are you here and he's like oh I my mom told me to come here if I ever get lost and then of course his mom showed up like two minutes later and she's like there you are and it was really interesting that the museum in New York is such an easy place to get to and really know, like you really know it. So everybody knows where it's at. So it was a way for them, if they get lost in the city to go. So it kind of sparked the whole idea that here's an orphan who doesn't, doesn't have a mother and uh, he goes to wait on the steps for her to come get him. And then when she never shows up, he just stays at the museum and lives there. It's also a book called The uh, Mixed Up Files of Miss Basilie Frank Wheeler. Um, which is about two kids that live in a museum. And that's uh, a very classic middle grade book that I grew up with and love. So I wanted to make sure when I wrote my book that I played, I paid a homage to classic middle grades like uh, Vasily Frank Wheeler and uh, The Mix of Files and, you know, things like that. Well, it's always important to pay a tribute to the books that inspired you to write your books because those inspirations, like, someday like a lot of kids might not recognize them so like your books like kind of being a love letter to the to the classics they might inspire young readers to try something new and I think that's really important yeah and it's and it's a way to get you to read you know people to read other books like they'll read my book and they're like oh I want more books like that and I'm like okay well now you can read mis mixed up files you yeah. know and uh, uh like I and I love contemporary mid-grade too. I mean, I love uh, Spy School. I love um, The Bad Guys. Uh, Those are great books, yeah. Great books, you know, a lot of fun, so. 
So you kind of add contemporary, mystery, thriller, all these different genres into your book. And it's not like crazy, crazy with all these different genres. It actually, you make the storyline just amazing. Like, I, I don't know how you do it. You kind of, you add all these different genres that are totally different to each other and just connect them in a way that just, I found really fascinating. Well, the, so the thing with mid-grade too is that you, um, or I'm sorry, with mysteries, sorry, not mid-grade, with mysteries, you write backwards, okay? So when you, or you plot backwards. So you start with who is the thief or killer or whatever, and then you work backwards, laying out all the clues, and then you write it forward. So there's this thing where we would say, you write, you plot through the criminal's eyes, and then you write through the detective's eyes. So you hit all those points. Um, and that makes it a lot easier to combine a lot of things. You know, my my book is set in a contemporary world, just not quite our world, but is our world. You know, so I, I took a lot of liberties on things. There's uh, there's restaurants and jazz clubs and uh, different uh, different places that I have in New York City. And if you actually followed, if you actually went to that corner, there is a diner there. There is a um, you know a, a steakhouse that used to be a speakeasy they all exist i just changed their names because of obvious reasons but yeah it's true to the city yeah and i love that it's true to the city because everybody if you read the curious league of detectives and thieves i highly suggest going to new york city and checking out those places for yourself you might see similarities and you might find a new understanding of the book yeah and new york city's awesome yeah new york city <laughs> is pretty cool yeah I read that you were inspired by the classic Agatha Christie books, as well as the Clue and What's Up, Doc, um, to read the Curious League of Detectives and Thieves. So what are some similarities and differences between the classic movies and books that inspired you and the Curious League of Detectives and Thieves? A, a lot of it has to do with comedy. Um, comedy has always been a, a higher form of writing. Um, and there's different different types of comedies. So there's from sophomore comedy, which are like fart jokes to, you know, slapstick, but, you know, like the uh, Three Stooges um, to uh, wordplay like Groucho Marx or like Friends. Um, and I was, was, re was really inspired. Uh, I'm inspired by comedy through those things. My, my parents watched, you know, Groucho Marx and, and uh, What's Up Doc, Peter, Peter Bogdanovich and of course Clue came out in the 80s and that's huge for all of us and like I grew up with that kind of comedy you know the Muppets uh do a lot of that kind of kind of comedy and then I also grew up uh both my parents were from law enforcement so I grew up with detectives and I have always loved mysteries so I just kind of mixed the two together it's kind of like if the Muppets were in uh Death of the Nile what would it look like and then that's kind of where the book comes out so you kind of combined all the books that you loved into one thrilling read yeah. one entertaining read yeah and like I don't have any kids of my own um I have a, a couple nephews that are, are that are your age um but I don't have any kids of my own and a lot of mid-grade writers are parents you know yeah. so I when I went at it I was like well I want to I want to write something for kids but I also want to write something that I really enjoy so the book is sort of made so parents could read to kids, older kids could read to themselves, you know, parents could listen to, to it on audiobook while they're driving their kids to grandma and grandpa's across state lines and still enjoy it and not be annoyed by it, you know, things like that. So it, it was kind of a, 
a mix between things. Although I'm told by all the kids that I that I hit it pretty well. So I think that also might just be because inside I'm still a 14 year old boy. So like, those are the kind of things like I watch cartoons, those are the things I enjoy. So I'm my own demographic. I mean, everybody likes cartoons, no matter how old you are. That's true. And I do love books that kind of connect not just with kids, but with also with adults. Like there's some books, there are a lot of books that do that with my mom, my dad. They sometimes go like, hey, can I read your book? I want to see if I like it. And a lot of the times they do. So middle grade, it's not just for middle graders. It's kind of like the middle for everybody. Yeah. Well, in, in middle grade books, um, you know, they didn't exist uh, 20 years ago, the, the genre of middle grade, the books did. But like once Harry Potter came out, then it started to have this thing where kids are super intelligent, um, as you are, but might not be emotionally ready for a YA book. So this this is a way for kids to have reading that that challenges them, but still keeps it in a in a, uh, you know, emotional level that that they can still kind of grasp onto. And um, I think that that then becomes nostalgic for all of us because we were all middle school kids at one point and we all got through it and uh, you'll get through it too. But um, so the books, I, we, I think middle grade authors a lot of times are writing for a, a range of people because also with middle grade books, you have gatekeepers, right? Like your mom isn't going to let you read certain books. Yeah. She's going to, she's going to be like, Hey, you can't read that. You're not adult enough to read it. So I want to write a book that she's going to enjoy and you're going to enjoy. And then you guys have something to talk about and be together. So. Yeah. And I think that it's great that we kind of like authors, like publishers, we all kind of found common ground, like, because middle graders aren't ready for young adult. We don't really understand that kind of story, but we're also too old for picture books. Oh, yeah. So we have to find the common ground. And we did with Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, The Curious League, and all these other book series. They're kind of, we can understand them because we're going through that currently. And it's kind of a great outlet. Yeah. So which character in your fantastic mystery is your most treasured? Oh man, that's so hard. Okay, so... In high school, my nickname was Toad. So that's where Toadius McGee comes from. Uh, my best friends were Scott Redder, who's Scotty Moose, uh, Rand, uh, John Randall Davis, who's John Randall Borhog, who's the lead character, and uh, Cayman Gotini, Tanny Cayman Gotini, and uh, or sorry, Tanny, ah, let me reverse that. Tanny Cayman Nanda. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pronouncing Cayman wrong, and I'm sorry, Tanny. It's uh, come in, come on, come on. Uh, anyway, so the great Gotini, we called him Goat, and we called Randall Pig, and we called Scotty Moose. So we, I made those characters based off of it. So that's why you have Boardhog, the great Gotini, and um, Toadius McGee. So those are sort of my four favorite. Um, and then of course, Shim Sham the monkey is is yeah. everybody's favorite. The the next book takes place in a cruise ship in the sky. Um, a cruise ship is, in the sky wow yeah it's like a, it's like titanic with balloons um and uh yeah i have 12 books planned um i'm wow. hoping that the publisher also wants to do 12 books right now we have two books written and i'm hoping to get a third one here soon we're gonna find out uh so buy buy the book so we can have a third book uh no i was kidding um but yeah i have 12 books and then it'll be out like the, the 12th book is the end it, it will end the series i have an end plan because i feel like um stories should end like stories shouldn't yeah. just keep going 
but in a, but in a sense, the story is still is still going. The stories never end, even if the yeah. series ends. Yes. That's and maybe thing. who knows? Maybe there might be a spinoff of some of the characters. Yeah, I I've been teasing. Uh, my editor has been teasing me about having a, a Shim Sham spinoff. <laughs> that would be. And funny. I keep, and I, I keep saying it would just say the Curious League, and then instead of detectives and thieves, it would just say monkeys and monkeys, and just have, like <laughs> cross it out. But uh, that'd be funny. Um, and I, I like how Toadies McGee and Shim Sham they kind of understand each other. Like I don't mm-hmm. like I don't really know how he understands monkeys. There's some sort of backstory there that we might learn. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, there are certain people in the world that speak monkey. And, yeah, um, I know yeah, that you love monkeys, so maybe it's you too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like I speak monkey. Um, not as well as the monkeys speak English, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the monkeys are speaking English. We just aren't smart enough to understand them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and you know, this book has a lot of themes about that, you know, like good guys versus bad guys. Are there such things as bad guys? Are there such things as good guys? Um, it really, one of the things that I wrote about this book is to battle toxic masculinity. Um, so you learn the, the 37 rules of being a good detective. What you're really learning is 37 rules that I, I feel 37 rules to help you be a better person. So, um, uh, you know, so that, that will come in about Toadius and Shim Sham and their past and where you were at one point in time and where you are now, you know, because people change as they get older. Yeah, so like I'm, I'm big about that, about the toxic masculinity. I feel like uh, the times have changed so much since I was a boy. So like, you know, you're, you're, you're facing a whole new challenge. And luckily, your generation is so cool about equality and, and all that stuff. Like, you're, you're just insanely cool about it. Uh, so it's not really that hard of work for me. But um, it's really, you know, we, we really have to change that we really have to teach men to be better, so that they grow up to be better men or teach boys to be better so they grow up to be better men and then that'll help with with women and minorities and everything else because we can be allies then instead of enemies yeah and even we nobody's perfect but all we can do is try and the curious league and so many other books are doing their best and they're teaching a lot of kids valuable lessons yeah and it's okay if you mess up i mean we all messed up it's just what you do after you mess up is the is really what what decides whether you're a good person or a bad person. You, know? you you might say something to a friend that is offensive. You're you're mad at them and you say something mean to them. That doesn't end your friendship if you go and then apologize and say, "Hey, I, I was I was wrong. I did this thing. It hurt you, and I'm not going to do that thing again." Then you know you can you can uh, uh, fix that, but. You know, and obviously there's exceptions to the rules, uh, you know, like physical violence and, and whatnot. But um, it, it's okay to say I'm wrong. It's okay to say I did wrong. It's okay to say I was the bad guy in the situation. And I think we, we as people always want to be the hero of our story, but we never think about being the villain of somebody else's story. And it's okay to be the bad guy as long as you realize you were the bad guy, admit you were the bad guy, and then try to do good from that. Yeah, that's a very valuable lesson, and it's pretty evident. Um, I saw it a lot in The Curious League, as well as some other books. So I thought that the cover of your book was really just beautiful. I love how they added gloss to the red ruby, and they and I know that you rave about it, and I know a lot of people really do like your cover. So what, how do you really describe the process? How do you cre- How do you create a cover of a book? Okay, so the cover of the book, 
Um, this is really interesting because every publisher is a little bit different. So I can't speak for all publishers, but it ranges from some of my friends who had no control of their cover. They only saw it when they released the book to people like me where they said, what do you want on your cover? And then I got to make a suggestion. And then the artist whose name is Stephen Gilpin, and he is just insanely good. He's, he's such a great artist. I, I, he brought my characters to life in a way that I could never imagine. And all I said was, I really think that it should be John holding the ruby and then in the ruby, maybe the reflections of all the characters that could be the, the, the mauve moth. And then he did the rest. He just, he just made it. I mean, he hit it out, knocked it out of the park on the first try. So uh, it was incredible. And the second cover is so cool. Uh, I'm so excited. I can't wait for people to see it because it's it, it takes it up a notch. And uh, yeah, so some people don't. So what they do is they they ask they, the there's a designer who reads the cover or reads the book. They take notes. They hire the illustrator. Then the illustrator draws the illustration. And then the designer, uh, whose name is Jay Colden, then puts it all together. So it's a team of people. And then my editor takes it to her bosses and uh, the marketing team and uh, the publicity team. And everybody has a say in it because it's so important. So, you know, 12, 12 13 people have to say yes before a cover works in, in, in our publisher. And they all loved it. And I love it. So it's, it's perfect. I do love the cover. And it's a whole process. And I love this is kind of why I do my interviews. I love learning about the process of books, how they go into action, but I've never really asked about the cover of a book before. Like, but this one really caught my eye. The, the gloss that they add, all everything going on in the background, it, it's all kind of ties the book together. But if you don't read The Curious League of the Texas and Thieves, you won't really know what's going on. But after reading it, I can tell that this cover, here it is, it's also in Tom's background. It's one of the best I've ever seen. So Thanks. hats off the designer, the illustrator, and your whole team. And now we've talked about the details. We've talked about the backstories. But now it's time for the very fun questions. And these are actually audience participation. So play along in the comments or on Twitter replies. Just post what, you, what your thoughts, what your answers would be to these questions. Because it's participation. And these are all fun questions that I may ask you one day if you have the wonderful chance to be on E-Train Talks. Of course, I know that there are a lot of other bigger podcasters, but, you know, little old me would like to meet you. <laughs> so do you treat your MG books like a screenplay you're working on? Uh, I do in the plotting. Um, I make sure that, like, I, I write down um, every plot point of what needs to happen from from a to b uh but then i when i actually start writing um it changes a little bit because screenplays are so structured what it has to look like and how much dialogue versus how much yeah. description and books you can kind of go as far as you want and then your editor tells you to cut it out uh, <laughs> it's the editor's job to make it to make it run smooth yeah no um i'm kidding allison uh but <laughs> uh yeah. So in like, the, so there's two types of writers, right? So there's the pantsers and the plotters and plotters are people that plot out everything and then write. And pantsers are people who are like, let's just jump in there and see where my characters take me. Um, and I, I'm not a pantser. I have way too much control issues to be one, but boy, do pantsers, like I have a lot of uh, respect for them, but I plot, I plot everything. So audience, are you a pantser or are you a plotter? 
put it in the replies. And to be honest, I'm more of a pantser, although I do, I, I'm starting to kind of shift to being a plotter because now that I'm learning about new strategies, um, I don't think it's as smart to write like seven chapters off the bat. Um, I think plotting, it's kind of, I'm starting to really realize how important plotting a book is because you can't just, I mean, some people do it and do it successfully, but it's really hard to just jump into a story and follow the characters because the plots, it's all ties into the plot and you need, you need plot points to kind of make a story be a success because if you have plot points, you know what's going to happen. It's just, it's just like a, the body between the two points. Like you have the intro to your letter and the ending to your letter and the middle is the body and you know how it's going to start and how it's going to end. Um, so that is, so since you know that it's kind of your job to just tie it all together. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, so my metaphor for this is like, if you're going on a road trip from Los Angeles to, to New York city, some people just jump in the car and go, you know what, I'm going to end up at New York city. And I'll get there when I get there and we'll just drive and see what happens. And other people are like, okay, this, I have X amount of gas to go. So I'm going to figure out every gas station in between and, or every landmark I want to see between. And then we're going to go from this to this landmark and this landmark to that landmark. And doesn't mean you can't veer off course and go see something else that, that catches your eye and then get back on course. Um, or you get to San, you know, you get halfway through to, to St. Louis and you're like, okay, I don't really want to see the arch. I'd rather go up North. So I'm going to skip that one. You can do that. It, just because you plotted it out doesn't mean you have to go directly to those plot points, but it does help you get back in when you've gone so far, you're like, where am I? What am I doing? You're like, oh yeah, I need to go to Twin Falls. And then you get there. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I like to plot. Um, and I think that pantsers, uh, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll just go, they know the beginning, they know the end, they'll write, they'll get to their end, and then they'll go back through it and be like, all right, well, this was boring, I'll cut this out. This didn't really matter, so I'll cut this out, you know, which is fine. That's, you know. I think it's kind of like, in the end, plotting and plotters and pantsers, they kind of become the same, because after you write your book, like, just speely as a pantser, you have to go back and plot the points, and then boom everybody's kind of a plotter and a pantser you may change and you may not well and like with screenwriting we call our first draft the vomit draft where we just get all of our ideas on on page and then we go back and like move things and fix things so if you're writing a book my suggestion is just finish it just get don't, don't worry if it's good or bad or indifferent just get to the end and then go back through and edit don't try to edit every chapter because you'll never finish the book because you can always go back and change a chapter the chapter of the first chapter of curious league has been written more times than than enough times that if you put them all next to each other it would be a series of books like so but get through it and then go back through and, and change things yeah and i think that's you did something like that and you've you're successful you have a published book that's coming out in June or yeah June so that's just a month away and you were a plotter and you, but you're also in a sense a pantser as well you get through everything um but you also you have a plan and I think like yeah. a plotters and pantsers you can't be a pantser without a plan so mm -hmm. I think it both kind of it all kind of ties into having a plan it's, yeah and it, you know honestly it, it it doesn't matter how you write as long as you get to the end you know yeah. like it it's uh and everybody gets there the other thing with with writing in the writing world it's so subjective so like somebody might not like monkeys so they don't pick up your book right they don't like an agent's like oh i'm gonna pass on this book i don't like monkeys or 
you know, I, I don't like Egypt, so I'm, I'm out, you know, kind of thing. Or they might, like Anne Rose read my book and fell madly in love with it and picked me up out of the slush pile completely. Like, I'm still dumbfounded, you know, because I've read other books that she's passed on. And I'm like, well, how did you pass on this book? And she's like, well, it's this thing. I like this. I like that. So it's really everybody else's opinion on whether it gets there or not. So just don't give up. I had a hundred. Of course, you are amazing, Anne. You are amazing. And happy oh, Anne birthday. Is the- and, and Rose, yes, her birthday today. Happy birthday. Um, she is literally the greatest agent in the business. If you aren't querying to Ann Rose, then why are you even trying? Like she literally is the best in, in the business. She's so amazing. Um, I have nothing bad to say about her. Without her, I would be no one. Um, she's amazing. She, uh, uh, what I was going to say is I had 163 rejections. Wow. From before Ann picked up my book. She was actually the 37th one I, I um, which is hilarious because 37 is my number, but um, she was the 37th agent I queried on my list, but 163 people um, rejected my book and now it's being published. So just keep going because everybody's book matters. The querying process, I've heard a lot about it. It's, it's, gonna, it's pretty stressful from what I've heard. But as long as you just keep going, you're going to find the agent, you're going to find the publisher that's right for you. Because if someone rejects you, that that means you're not the right fit. You're eventually going to find the right fit, or maybe it just wasn't meant to be, but keep going. Yeah, it's like, it's like dating, which you haven't got to yet, but it's the same thing. You, when you meet someone, maybe they're not the right person for you. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just not your person and you'll, you'll meet your person. Um, So do you have any other writing projects in the making? Uh, I am. I'm working on a, a zombie survival guide. Wow. It's it's actually a survival guide for middle school, but it's called a Mike and Tom's Handy Dandy Guide to Surviving the Apocalypse. And it's about how to get through middle school, but it's like based on thing. Um, I have a book that I'm working on called, uh, that that's about two brothers that are on a treasure hunt, sort of like Goonies. Um, and then I have, uh, I just finished Curiously 2. And I plotted out Curious League 3, hoping that we'll get that going too. So that's where I'm at. That's all really exciting. And the um, the guide to middle school, I love those sort of books because they also they seem kind of interactive and they're also just so true. It doesn't matter how fictitious it is, um, whether you're fighting zombies in middle school, it's all kind of based on real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get a man named uh, Stan Yan to do the artwork. And he's, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, Stan is on. He's great. If you, you need to follow him on, on Twitter, he's his I, know, stuff I is, have been and he follows me. He's he sounds yeah. really amazing. Yeah, his stuff is like Calvin and Hobbes meets Tim Burton. It's really cool. It's really cool stuff. Um, well, I'm going to advocate for you as much as I can. Stan Yan, you have to you have to do the drawings for Tom Phillips' book. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So if you were trapped on a deserted island and can only bring one book, what book would it be and why? Also, please try and not make it an island survival book. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, island survival book. No, um, I think that, oh my gosh, one book. That's terrible. Uh, I series. Okay. Oh, if I had a series, then uh, Nancy Drew, because there's 557 books. <laughs> No, I don't uh, know how you'd bring all that on one boat. But. No, uh, uh, I don't know. My, my favorite book is The Alchemist. It's a great book. Um, I know there are a lot of alchemists. So which, uh, which, which oh, pa- uh, Pablo Cajillo. I'm pronouncing your last name wrong and I'm sorry, sir. 
but I don't it, know if he's listening. <laughs> well, he he might be. You never can tell. But he's brilliant. Um, that's a brilliant book. Uh, I'm also really. Uh, I have a I have a love for the Neverending Story. Um, series and fortunate events, which I've read a thousand times. Um, the Christmas Carol is one of my favorite books. Any one of those. Yeah. Well, it's always good to have 557 books with you um, yeah. on a deserted island because, I mean, you need something to pass the time. And I don't think um, like drawing faces on coconuts or playing um, coconut ball with yourself is really going to pass the time very well. No, I, I, I would, I would have to go. Yeah. Nancy drew 557 books. That would, that would be, that would be the best. Have you read every single one of them? No, 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 no. Um, I, I made a really good chunk, uh, and, uh, the Hardy boys, um, but I haven't read them all. Wow. So 557 books that, that would definitely last me as well. Like just having such a long series. Also, is it, was it the same author for every single book? No, uh, many authors have written for Nancy over the years, but... Um, so it's kind of like the 31 Clues? Like, yeah, I think the, the first person, I think they wrote like 60 books. I think it was 60. I, I, you, you, have to, you have to Google it and figure it out. But they wrote, the first person who wrote Nancy Drew wrote a lot. And then it's been a lot of different people. And actually my editor, um, Allison Weiss, worked on, on some of the Hardy Boys and Tom Swift and I think Nancy Drew as wow. an editor was there anyone who inspired you to work in the writing industry a parent a teacher or a role model um yeah uh wow okay so my english teacher in high school's name was jan powell uh and she convinced me i wasn't stupid because i thought i was dumb because i was dyslexic and it was hard to read um so she set me on this this journey and then i met a professor in college named peter ivanoff and he taught shakespeare and um, he taught me the love of storytelling and uh, how beautiful the written word could be. And that really started me on my, my journey of, of be, becoming a writer was because Peter um, taught us Shakespeare and then really broke it down, you know, as Shakespeare teachers do, because it's almost its own language and uh, really explained the passion and the, and the beauty of the written word. So if it weren't for Jan Powell and Peter Ivanoff, I wouldn't be writing. It's time for my final question. This is a question that I love asking and I love learning about all the different answers. Like, although most of them are Harry Potter, it's still, there's at least some variety in the Harry Potter section. Um, but if you could be any character or meet any character in any book, who would you be or who would, who would it be and why? Oh man, okay. I would be a Treyu in The Never Ending Story because that's the coolest adventure ever. And I would love to run around Fantasia. Um, and if I could meet anyone like in any storybook for like real, it would be Paddington Bear. He's pretty cool, yeah. He's really cool. I love Paddington and I, I, I like just love to hear all of his, his thoughts and, and things. Yeah, the movies are my like favorite movies ever i want the paddington team to make curious league that, 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 you know maybe paul. you can add them because i mean it is a it is a fictitious book yeah hey paul if you're out there uh you could direct and write the curious league movie just call me no, yeah um so thank you all so much for listening and thank you tom for joining me today I, it's been such a pleasure 